The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday, May 24th, 2022, and it is a heck of a morning indeed, live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces and soon on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a fantastic week so far. It's Memorial Day week, which means we get a long weekend ahead of us here in the United States. Summer is around the corner. No UFC card this weekend, and we had a lot going on this past weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. We had UFC Vegas 55 on Saturday, which ended in a little bit of controversy. And I just have to say, I don't really know why. I don't really know why there was so much backlash, so much controversy coming out of that main event. But more on that in a moment. We had a very interesting Eagle FC 47 card on Friday. Main event, we saw Jorgen De Castro defeat Junior Dos Santos via injury TKO in the third round. JDS was looking real good in that fight, cruising to a win, separates his shoulder, and De Castro wins the fight. The celebration was a little much, but he admitted as such, apologized for it, and I like Jorge De Castro a lot. One of the one of the nicest guys that you will ever speak to in the sport. Just a, just a great guy. And in the end, on his resume, just a gigantic win over a former UFC champion. Just an unfortunate ending. That card in general. How should I start this? I'll go back to Eagle FC. We'll talk about Eagle FC later. Let's talk about UFC Vegas 55 because interesting card. 
there are some some good fights. The main event is the one that everybody's talking about. Holly Holm versus Ketlin Vieira. In the end, Ketlin Vieira wins a split decision over Holly Holm. And just like... Actually, this is probably worse than the Logan Storley-Michael Page fight. Twitter just exploded. Twitter just exploded. Robbery, robbery, robbery. Post-fight shot, I think 81% of people thought that Holly Holm got robbed. And I saw so much of that heading into Sunday morning, heading into on to the next one. But I have to say, from maybe Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, until yesterday, a lot of people changed their minds. Not that this is a fight that people were clamoring to go back and back and watch a second time because it was not that kind of a fight. But most people who went back and watched it a second time actually scored it for Ketlin Vieira. They went back, watched it closely. I saw somebody on Twitter, somebody I respect a lot in this industry say live, they scored it four to one for Holly Holm. And then they watch it again and they scored it three, two for Ketlin Vieira. And that has led to all these different conversations. Watching it the first time, I think I scored it for Holly Holm Live. But I didn't think it was a robbery. I thought it was a super close fight. I thought Ketlin landed a lot of damage. And I thought there was absolutely a case to be made for Ketlin Vieira winning that fight. Then I went back and forced myself, before AK and I recorded on to the next one Sunday morning, to watch the fight again. And I watched it again, and I felt even stronger that Ketlin Vieira won the fight. I felt very strongly she won. Why? Because her shots landed more. They just meant more. You could tell the discomfort on Holly Holmes' face when Ketlin Vieira landed punches and landed strikes. It was a big difference. Not saying Holly didn't land, but there was a lot of a lot of clinch work, a lot of just controlling of Ketlin Vieira. But in the end, unless literally nothing else is happening with this new scoring criteria, none of that matters. You can sit there and clinch somebody against the fence at all, but if Ketlin Vieira with her back against the fence lands like two elbows and a punch. She wins the round because she actually inflicted some kind of damage. So I have no problem with Ketlin Vieira winning the fight. And now we're back to the open scoring debate. Why, why isn't there open scoring? What the hell's going on with open scoring? Everyone wants open scoring or doesn't want open scoring. So because of one fight, we had strangers on Twitter fighting one another about how they scored the fight. And then a big debate about open scoring again. I'm so tired of the open scoring conversation. I understand where it's coming from. I understand why we want to make changes and we want the fighters to know where they're at and things like that. I get it. But, I mean, every freaking card, we have to have a debate about open scoring. It just drives me insane. It just drives me nuts. It's not going to happen. You can do open scoring all you want. We're just going to complain more. We as a community, as MMA fans, we try to stay positive as much as possible, but this place can be a complaint-heavy kind of a sport because there's always something, especially with the gambling aspect, there's always something. There's always something. With this musk, with this 10-point must, with this boxing scoring model, you can do closed scoring, open scoring, it doesn't matter. We're going to continue to have problems. We're going to continue to have arguments. We're going to continue to have debates. And we're just going to continue fighting with one another. It is what it is, folks. It is what it is. This was not a robbery. This was not 
anything of the sort. I actually felt confident Kevin Vieira won on second watch. And watching it live, I I saw a world where Ketlin could have won the fight. I didn't think it was a robbery at all. So there you have it. We'll see what happens with Ketlin Vieira. Holly Holmes got some decisions to make. It'll be interesting to see where she goes from here. I think if Misha Tate loses to Lauren Murphy on July 2nd at UFC 276, I think you have a, a very sellable rematch between Misha Tate and Holly Holm. Maybe that can happen. Obviously, if Misha Tate beats Lauren Murphy, there's a very good chance she fights for the title next. I, I'd be shocked if that didn't happen. But huge win for Ketlin Vieira. She continues to roll on. She's got back-to-back wins over Tate and Holly Holm, two former champions. Good win for Michel Pajeda. He's won five in a row. He's making some pretty big call-outs of Nate Diaz and Jorge Mazadal. He's talking about Mazadal sliding into his wife's DMs. This has become just a... A weird story in itself. Chidi and Njokwani, uh, nasty elbow knockout. Wins for Tabitha Ricci, Jung Young Park. Joseph Holmes gets his first UFC win. Jelton Almeida, just a madman. This guy's going to be a problem for pretty much anybody, whether he goes back to light heavyweight or stays at heavyweight or does both. He's going to be a problem. Euros Medich, nasty knockout. Jonathan Martinez does Jonathan Martinez-type things against Vince Morales. Sam Hughes gets her first UFC finish. She looked real good in that fight. And Chase Hooper, young Chase Hooper, gets back in the win column, gets a TKO finish of Felipe Calhares. All in all, it was, a, it, was a, it was a pretty fun card to watch. It's just unfortunate that it ended in such controversy because of the, the scoring in the main events. And I'm telling you, if you are, I challenge all of you, and I know this is going to be tough. Maybe you have to rip a couple of tequila shots before you do this. If you're still torn, if you still feel like Holly Holm was robbed on Saturday, rip them back and go watch it again. Because it's not an easy watch. But I assure you, if you watch it again and you are open-minded and you watch that fight by itself, not after watching 10 other fights before that, Go back and watch that fight by itself. I guarantee you, you're going to look at it differently. You're going to look at it differently. So there you go. I'll have more Eagle. I'll have Eagle FC thoughts a little bit later. Maybe you guys are going to talk about it. We'll see. Let's go to you guys because this is your show and I'm getting off the damn soapbox. We start with Mr. Julio. Julio, what's up? Just make sure you unmute yourself. There you go. Are you there? Julio, I cannot hear you. Try again if you want to get back. Let's get Zach Leff in here. Zach, are you there? Hey, Mike. What's up, buddy? Hey, so question actually about uh, the next pay-per-view coming up for UFC. So there's been a lot of talk about inactivity um, in this main event with uh, Glover and Jan and just their schedule of fighting. But... If uh, I know you don't believe this, but if uh, Yuri does win over Jan, uh, I mean over Glover, do you think that um, Yuri will defend a little more active? He's had a kind of a weird start because he's had two just massive finishes and kind of propelled him up so quickly up the rankings. And uh, due to and I looked at his like uh, previous stuff, and he was a pretty active fighter before coming to the USC. So uh, just wanted your thoughts there. Thank you, Zach. Yes, uh, I am looking forward to this fight. I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of nervous about it because I have put myself out there since October of last year, since Glover won the belt, 
And I've been pretty convinced that Glover is going to win this fight and he's going to do it quickly. He's going to submit Yuri Prohashka in the first round. I have been on the mountaintop shouting this out because all this man, and and I mean this wholeheartedly, all this man needs is one takedown. If Glover takes Yuri down at any point throughout this fight, he will win. It's over. He wins the fight. One takedown. That's all he needs. Now, getting that takedown is not going to be easy because Yuri is a madman. So there's a very good chance that Yuri wins. If Glover can't take him down, Yuri's going to probably finish him and knock him out, and it's going to be nasty. I think he will be more active. The thing with Yuri is, especially since he's gone to the UFC, is that he doesn't just go out and run guys over. He wins very impressively, and his fights are super exciting, but he takes a bit of a beating to get to that finish. Go watch the uh, the, the first fight with Volkan Ozdemir. Those two were landed just heavy machinery at each other, and then finally Yuri was just like, to hell with this, I'm out of here, and, and got, him done, got it done. The Dominic Reyes fight was a real tough fight. Both guys were hurt. Reyes had him in some big trouble at certain points, and then Yuri landed just an incredible spinning back elbow. I thought... I for we we do the awards at the end of the year, and I feel like Yuri got the big fat hose job from the rest of the MA fighting staff because I picked that as knockout of the year, and I picked that as fight of the year. Yuri versus Dominic Reyes. Those are those are my picks. Yuri should have been a two time award winner in my eyes. I understand there were other knockouts, and it wasn't a very popular one because it happened kind of earlier in the year. But Yuri and Dominic Reyes was a phenomenal fight for as long as it lasted. It was absolute chaos. And I just don't know if Glover's going to get himself in that kind of fight. I think Glover understands. I just need to take this man to the ground and I get a chance because Dominic Reyes, who's not a big submission artist, took him down, he mounted him, had him in some big trouble. And if Glover does that to Yuri Prohashka, he gets him down and advances his position, which he'll be able to do. Yuri's in trouble, man. He's in trouble. I understand that everyone wants to jump on Yuri right now because he's so good. He's looked so fantastic and the fights in Ryzen and some of the wins he's had in his career, but do not sleep on Glover to share in this fight because I seriously believe that he just needs one takedown and he can win this thing. But I think Yuri can be more active for that reason. I don't think Glover's going to go up there. I don't think they're going to go hammer and tongs with each other. I think if he loses, he's just going to get strangled and that's it. And if he wins, it's just going to be something where Glover might land a couple of shots and then Yuri's just going to get him out of there. So I don't think he's going to take a lot of damage in this fight. So there's a very good chance, win or lose, that we will see him more active. He's This won't be the only time we see him fight this year. Let's see if we can get Julio back. I think we might have him. Julio, do we have you? You got to unmute. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. There we go. There he is. What's up, buddy? Hey. Uh, I'm probably just about to echo a lot of what you just said, and I know you don't really want to talk about open scoring, but... Uh... I just think I think it's kind of crazy all of these debates that people are having about it on Twitter and things like that. I mean, there's just this huge list of ways in which fighters are disenfranchised from fighter pay to not getting a proper cut of the sponsorships from crypto.com and Venom and all of these things. And I just feel like open scoring is so low on this list of things that should be priorities because at the end of the day, UFC has shown basically zero interest in even acknowledging this concept. Why are we, why are people going so crazy talking about this thing that 
has shown zero chance of literally ever happening. It seems like we are, it's like people are arguing back and forth about, you know, bringing pride scoring back to UFC or something like that. Just something that's really never going to happen. And people are, are having heated debates about this and it just seems kind of pointless. I don't, I don't really understand all the open scoring debate. I know you have to talk about things to bring them into the wider conversation and make them happen, but it just seems so far off. And I, I can't believe that people talk about it as much as they do. Um, and that's about it. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. I uh, love the show. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thank you, Julio. I completely agree with you of, of all the issues going on in the UFC and the sport in general, open scoring is like the 12th most important thing right now. Honestly, I get it because listen, if fighter pay was where it was and we didn't have to rely on the two paycheck model for a lot of these fights, would we even be having this conversation right now? I understand one sort of ties into the other, but if, Fighters are just being paid flat fees, pay, being paid what they're worth, win or lose. We, I don't even think this would be a conversation. Now, I'm going to play the game just for a moment because let's just say Dana White says, all right, F it. I'm going to eat my fried macaroni and cheese dipped in whipped cream. And then after it was so delicious that I'm going to be like, you know what? My mind is in such a it's such a delicious mess right now that I'm going to just say, I'm going to implement open scoring. I'm going to implement open scoring. It's going to happen. All right. We're going to do it. If you want to do it fine, but here is my, here is my one rule. The other judges, the other judges should not be allowed. The judges themselves should not be allowed to see the scores at all. Find a way to blindfold them while they're showing the scores those judges cannot know the scores. Everybody else, the crowd, the people at home, the fighters, coaches, etc., the broadcasters, they want to know the scores, fine. The other judges cannot know because they have a hard enough job as it is trying to score these fights. And let's just say Judge A and Judge B scores around for fighter one and Judge C scores the fight scores the round for fighter two. What is judge C going to be thinking about the entire round for round two? They're going to be thinking about how did I screw this up? What mistake did I make? Why did they score for this fighter? And I didn't. Hmm. So they're not going to be focused fully on solely on the fight. They're going to be focused on why they didn't score it the same as the other two judges. What are they missing? What am I missing? Does that judge feel like they have to, as an umpire does in baseball and, and beer league softball from time to time, do I have to implement a makeup call or a makeup 10, nine round because I screwed up in the first, these are problems you're going to have with open score. Like people talk about the fighters and if there's going to be stalling and all that stuff. And I don't know if that's as big of an issue as people make it out to be because I don't think it changes much. If a fighter thinks they're up two rounds, they're just going to fight the way they fight anyways. And if a fighter thinks they're down two rounds, they're just going to fight the way that they fight anyway. But we have to think about how the judges are looking at things mentally. Are they going to be able to focus on the action in front of them? Or are they going to focus on even, even a little bit? Even if you put a quarter of your mindset into, man, why do those two judges score it for fighter one? but 
I scored it for fighter two. Did I do something wrong? I think that's going to be a huge problem with open scoring. So if we can find a way to make sure the judges have no clue how these rounds are being scored round by round, if they're the only ones that can't find out, maybe you have something here. But I think, honestly, that's going to be one of the biggest challenges is the judges' mindsets and how they handle it and how they feel. I mean, there's going to be some judges who are like, these guys suck, I'm right, they're wrong. But a lot of times they're going to be like, oh, I must have missed something. Maybe I'll make it up in this round. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down, and new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to the vice president of open scoring, New York Rick. Hi, buddy. Heck of a morning, Mike. Heck of a morning. You know, I've got Indeed. I've got some things to get off my chest about open scoring. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm just kidding. Um, with no major MMA, no UFC, no Bellator. All due respect to KSW and Cage Warriors. Uh, how are you spending a light uh, MMA weekend? Is my question for you. Thank you, New York Rick. That's a, a great question. On Friday, it is actually my wife and I's 10th anniversary. Holy cow. 10 years ago. We walked that aisle, baby. We said I do. And now we're here. I'm here in a room with all of you guys. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be celebrating that. And that's pretty much it. Memorial Day weekend. I think I have to 
work for like a few hours on Sunday, but Monday we're we're getting the grill all fired up. We're gonna go to the pool and Cannonball City, baby. Just be a nice, relaxing weekend. I'm excited for it. And I think we all deserve it. I think we all deserve it. I mean, listen, if you want to watch MMA, it's there for you. You can always find it. You can always find it. If you're just if, if you can't take a weekend off, you got those two events that the New York Rick talked about. Plus, you follow my man Kaposa, who is just a an absolute gem in this space. He will lead you in the right direction. He'll find 30 events for you. If you just want to do a MMA marathon this weekend, Kaposa will help you out. So that's what I'm doing. I'm celebrating the anniversary. I'm going to chill out. Let's get Tristan Gordad in here. Tristan, what's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning to you. How's everything? Good. Um, what's up? All right. All right. So um, shout out to you and AK Lady on Otno yesterday. No need to read my picks because you guys were in the same mind mindset as I was with the picks. There was no need for it. Just the one pick. Was uh, I wanted was on the wild card was your Smedish versus Magomed Mustaev and Mike I need to know what's going on with Mustaev because he hasn't fought in almost a year. The last time he fought uh, was supposed to fight was against Ismagulov, but Ismagulov had a weight miss, so they called the fight off, and he hasn't fought since. I don't know if he suffered an injury, so maybe you could t- shed light on that. But that's the fight I would like to see. I think Medish is one of those up and coming prospects. You could throw him in there with Armin Sarukian. Kazeev, all those guys in that lightweight division that's going to be coming up in that in the rankings. So, you know, that's that's a dude to watch out for. Um, going back to the Holly Holm versus Vieira fight, I Vieira, I don't know what's going. <sighs> Vieira, I don't think she believes in her hands, or I don't know. There's a disconnect between her coaches, but they're pleading and yelling at her in the corner like. Let your hands go. You could finish these people. This was the same issue she had when she fought Misha Tate. She was piecing her up badly and was like, could finish her at any point. And I saw certain points with Holly Holm where she caught her a couple of times and you saw Holly Holm wobble a little bit. And I'm screaming at the TV, Vieira, go after her. Throw the combinations. You could finish this. And the coaches were screaming at her pleading with her because I'm telling you right now yes she won and that matters and you have to win winning is all it's all about of trying to get that win and moving on but if you if you if if we see Amanda Nunes go and starch um Julia Pena and you're gonna fight Amanda Nunes good luck with that because you're not you're not gonna have a chance okay and you see the the difference with Sam Hughes and what um, Saeed did, was telling her, was like, yo, man, go in there and finish this girl. And you saw what Sam Hughes was like, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm going to go finish it. I'm going to go in there and do what I need to do. She believed in herself that I could finish this girl. And what she do? She went out there and finished her opponent. So I don't know what's going on with Vieira. I'm, I'm on the side of her coaches. of, And I understand fighters respond differently. They got to, you know, some people respond Favoritely, some people don't, but Vieira's got to understand, man. And the words of Ken Flo, got finished fights out here, man. And you, and look on Otto yesterday, even though she got the win, you guys were like, you know, do you think she really need? Do you think she deserves a title shot? You guys were you, you and AK were like, I don't think she deserves it, man. I need to see, I need to see more. I need to see finishes. And 
you gotta let your hands go. You gotta believe in yourself. You gotta believe what the coaches are telling you. You gotta trust them. You know, you gotta fit. You know, finishing fights matters, and that's how you're gonna get title shots. You can't just go out there and just squander opportunities where you had chances to finish home and as well as Misha Tate. So that's my thoughts about it. I want to know your thoughts about it. You know, have a heck of a morning, Mike. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. The Mustafaev thing, um, I have no idea, man. He, he was supposed to fight Moicano. He hasn't fought, I mean, well, February 2020. It's been a while since the Brad Riddell fight. So he was supposed to fight Moicano. Moicano got injured. He was out. Then he was supposed to fight Gamrot on that same card, October of 2020. Then Mustafaev had to withdraw. And then he was supposed to fight Demir Ismagulov at UFC 267, and that was the card where Ismagulov missed weight, and the fight was scratched through really no fault of, of Mustafaev. So I have no idea where he is. No clue. So it's a, I haven't heard anything in, in regards to injury or anything like that, so I'm not really sure. To your other point, I, I get where you're going with this, Tristan, and I love you, buddy, but you cannot compare... Elise Reed to Holly Holm. You just can't. Like, it's, you could go out there. Her team could have screamed at her and said, go out there and finish her. But she's fighting freaking Holly Holm, and there's a lot on the line here. She couldn't lose that fight. I Going in there and finishing Holly Holm emphatically makes a big statement. But I think even if she went out and finished Holly Holm, she probably wasn't going to get a title shot anyways. She's in it. She's just in a really interesting spot right now because... If Nunez wins, they're going to do a third fight, more than likely. And we have, and if Valentina Shevchenko wins on June 11th, she's the number one contender in my mind. Honestly, I think she's the number one contender. She'll probably fight for the Bantamweight title next if she beats Tyler Santos and does it easily and impressively. I think they're going to try to give Valentina that chance. I think she's the be- she is the best female fighter on planet Earth right now. I don't think there is a debate to be had a discussion to be had. Valentina Shevchenko is the best female fighter on planet Earth right now. And if she beats Tyler Santos, which she is very likely going to do on June 11th, I understand that anything can happen. You got to give her the chance to go up and fight for the belt. I think even if Nunes wins, you got to, even though the second fight was not a tremendous watch, I kind of want to see her go up there and fight for that title, no matter who wins. And then you could do the Pena trilogy after, or you do the rematch with Pena with in Shevchenko if she wins the belt. But I think Shevchenko, I, I think you needed something just killer to take Shevchenko out of the equation. Now, if you're Caitlin Vieira right now, I think you are the biggest Tyler Santos fan on the planet right now. You have to hope for some sort of an upset, some sort of a miracle. Otherwise, you're probably going to have to fight again. You're going to have to fight somebody again. Maybe you do the rematch with Rini Aldana. Maybe you get the winner of Aspen Ladd versus Sarah McMahon. I don't know. But it was going to be tough for her to get that title fight anyways. Let's bring in Miami Mike. Miami Mike. 2-2, baby. 2-2. Are you there? Or do you not want any of this, Mike, after the Celtics put the beat down on the heat last night in Boston? I understand. I understand. You try again. Let's bring in Brent. 
Brent, what's up, buddy? Uh, great show. Really enjoy it. I got a quick, very random question. What do you think the super heavyweight division could look like in a hypothetical world where MMA athletes got paid more like other high-level pro athletes, like NBA, you know, NFL, European soccer, etc. But uh, great show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, super heavyweight. Wow. I mean, Pujanowski's my guy for sure. <laughs> that guy, that guy's just freaking ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, there's a lot of fighters that actually cut down. Like Derek Lewis would probably be happy competing over 265. I think there's Pacaporta would be uh, okay fighting over 265. There's a few fighters who have to cut down. I, maybe in France, Ngannou wants to uh, to bulk up a little bit and. Bench 415 a million times and put on some size. So, I don't know. But Pooj is in there for sure. That guy's probably the face of my super heavyweight division because any fight, trust me what I tell you, anytime that guy fights, people care. It's pretty wild. All right, let's try this again, Mike. I understand you were scared the first time. and You want to deal with it. You want to deal with the key. <laughs> Uncompletely intended, but... uh. What's up, buddy? Dude, I have no idea what you're doing. There's, It's not a coincidence that the Heat lose on both nights before a heck of a morning. I have no idea what kind of Celtic gods you're praying to, bro, but keep praying to them because it's obviously working. <laughs> uh, on a real question, though, I wanted to mention, though, the Eagle FC commentary on point and my fan fanboy for Henry Cejudo, I know you hate him, has gone up so much because watching him choke on the mic the whole night was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> now, for my question, dude, I was originally going to ask you about uh, with Eagle FC and cross promotion and all that, but dude, open scoring came up and I got to address it. Now, if you had the keys, if you had the Royal MMA keys, Mike Heck, what would you do? Because I'm... Um, I know you're not really the biggest fan of, of just going for it. And as you mentioned earlier that, you know, there's got to be certain things that they got to give and take and like things like conditions, like the judges, you know, not being able to see the car uh, and the score and all that. But um, what do you think is the, 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 the goal then or the solution to get everybody on the same page? Cause I've, I've heard it's also like maybe from other people, like I heard DC even talking in jail that, you know, the, the judges are supposedly going to go back and, you know, get like a judging class. So is that the solution? Does, do we have to like restructure some sort of rules to get all the judges on the same page to where like a takedown, for example, is worth half a point or like, what exactly do we do to eliminate this controversy that seems to be growing and growing week after week? Or do we just kind of keep it all and say, screw it and, you know, let the controversy be controversy and let the Twitter wars be Twitter wars? I'm curious to hear your take. Thank you, Mike. Go sees. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to fix judging. And I think most people who are in support of open scoring, I know Ariel Hawani might be the biggest advocate for open scoring out of anybody, but it's not going to change judging. It's not going to change judging. It's just going to anger people more, if we're being honest, from a viewing viewer perspective. When we hear a crappy scorecard, what's the first thing we do as a MMA community? We go on Twitter and we find out who that judge was. We tell the world that that is an awful scorecard. 
and now we're going to have to hear it every round. I mean, be, wanting to be a judge, I mean, you have to, I, like, what is going to, what inspires one to be an MMA judge? I honestly, I, I don't know. Like, when I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be a game show host. And I told the world I wanted to be a game show host. I showed up to kindergarten on certain days and wore a full suit and tie. So my kindergarten teacher would let me host a game show. Like, I wanted to be a game show host. You game show host, you're on TV. Sometimes you spin a wheel. Like, how cool is that? Wheel spinning? People can win money and solve puzzles and answer things in the form of a question and name that to like so many game shows so much fun mma judging like who's what kindergarten kid wants to be a freaking mma judge you know what i want to be when i grow up i want to sit in the corner and watch fights get paid shit and have everybody rip me apart and get no praise at least as a referee you get a lot of shit but at least you get some praise once in a while. You make a good stoppage or a bad stoppage. Jason Herzog's tremendous at refereeing. Once in a while, he'll stop action. He'll retain position. He'll take points. He'll do all these things. Submit warnings or take a point of the second warning. Like He'll do these things, and we praise him for that. And then Herb Dean will come in and do the Cupid Shuffle on a stoppage and we're not really sure what he's doing. And then he finally makes stoppage. We're like, what is he doing? Why? Judging you get no praise, no praise. We're not going on Twitter saying, wow, that's Sal Diamato. He got it right. Great scorecard, Sal. We're not getting it. Like there's no motivation to be a judge. So you have to find, you have to make judging more appealing. Maybe offer a signing bonus to be a judge. I don't know. You have to like make it appealing in some way. Because there's only like, there's not a lot of judges out there. And why would there be? There's no appeal to it. It sucks. What a terrible job that is. It's just a terrible job. Where you just get crapped on all the time and get no praise from the public. It's wild. It's wild. So, I don't know. You have to, you just got to find better people. You have to make judging more appealing. Yes, they are doing different calls. They do them, I think, quarterly. And I think California institutes them. I'm not 100% sure about this, but Steve Morocco, my colleague, was telling us about this. Where we, you, even, even like media members could jump on this call. And what they do is they get a lot of these judges together and they break down certain rounds, certain fights, and they watch them together and then they discuss them. They discuss what they saw, how they would score it, why, etc. And I like that idea. I like that idea, but it's, again, you still got to implement these things. Putting MMA in a boxing scoring system is not good. It's just not good. It's just not. And then the Eagle FC thing, I'm going to talk about Eagle FC when the time is right. I'm hoping somebody tags me in. But we have more people want to talk. Like Pedro. Pedro, what's up? Just make sure you unmute Pedro. All right. Hop back in line, Pedro. I'll get you in here, all right? Let's get Michelle in here. Joe, actually, there's multiple Joes. 
Mitchell, what's up, man? So my question is about um the ooh, the women's title fight on June twelfth between Valentina Shevchenko and Santos. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it's gone under the radar compared to like the main event, and I think the um Whaley and the Uwana rematches took a bit more shine to that title fight. And my opinion on that is, is I feel like if Valentina does win, which I'm expecting her to, I feel there's nothing left for her in that division. Regardless of like what happens between Peña and Nunes in July, I think I still think whoever wins that fight should fight Valentina next. I think the only two people in the flyweight division that could even hold a candle or try and beat Shushenko will probably be Suarez or Font. I can't say her name. The French cannot pronounce her name. The French um woman. Ciara. Yeah, yeah. I think she's a bit big, so that could be an interesting challenge for Shushenko, but. I don't think anyone can beat Shashanko. So what's your opinion on that? Obviously, you said earlier, but that's my thoughts on it. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, I, I, I honestly see a world where Valentina fights the family title next. However, if Misha Tate beats Lauren Murphy July 2nd, I see a world where they do that fight. Because that's a big name. That is a, that's a big name. Misha's a former champion. That's a great legacy fight. Add to that incredible resume. I think there's some value there for her. But yeah, that's a big if. I think Lauren's Lauren's gonna give her hell. It's gonna be a tough fight. It's a 50-50 fight, in my opinion. I think Lauren's got a very good chance to win. But it's a good one. If Misha wins, then the namesake value, you could you could sell that fight. So Lauren Murphy wins. She's definitely fighting for the Bantamweight title next. If Misha Tate wins. If they could turn that fight around relatively quickly, I think they'll do it. But we'll see. A lot, lot, lot of factors here. Let's try Pedro again. And then, uh, Joe, all I do is UFC, you're on deck. Pedro, are you there? Yes, sir. What's up, buddy? What's up? Uh... What do you got? Oh no. I lost you, Pedro. Sorry, buddy. Let's get Joe in here. Joe, what's up? What's happening, Mike? Top of the morning to you. You too. What's happening? Um, well, I'll give two cents on the open scoring that I think if you will, I agree with what you said about the judges can't see it because it will allow people to infiltrate for fixed scoring or manipulated scoring. Um, but I actually wanted to comment on Medic looking great. I think Medic, I think he should go to a top 10. Um, and I had, I'd like your thoughts on, there's a fighter coming into the UFC, Askar Maharov, fighting um, Alonzo Medifield. I'm pretty high on him. And then I want to hand off to you the, uh, what do you think of the, the main event of Eagle FC? I know you're dying to talk about Eagle FC, so I'll throw it out there for you. Ah, oh, bless you, Joe. Bless you, Joe. All right, so hang tight for those who are requesting. I will get you in here, I promise. We'll go a few extra minutes if we have to. Uh, Maskarov is good. Very good. Menafield's a good opponent for him. He should he should shine. But Menafield's getting better. Should be interesting. Open scoring's tough. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be the big conversation of the day. But let's talk about Eagle FC, shall we? Let's talk about Eagle FC 47. That main event. 
You know what Eagle FC 47 reminded me of? And some of you might un- understand this reference, and some of, some of you might understand this reference. If you are a pro wrestling fan in the 1990s, there was obviously WWF, there was WCW. Eagle FC 47 reminded me of an episode of WCW Saturday Night. You have the studio setting. You have squash matches left and right. You have a main event with names with people who are probably past their prime. You have the occasional name sprinkled in somewhere else. So basically you have like a U.S. title fight. You get a TV title fight. And then you just have a bunch of squash matches. And I feel like that's exactly what we got on Friday at Eagle FC 47. Or we had what should have been squash matches. You know, occasionally you have to have a, a little bit of a barn burner. Roosevelt Roberts, Alexandra Dale Maida. But then it was just like, finish, finish, finish. Like, Islam Mamadov coming over from Bellator to fight Zach Zane. Like, I didn't understand this whole thing. I didn't understand it at all. What's the point of bringing him over to fight Zach Zane? What does that do for him? And this is why I want to know the payouts of these cards. Because we are, we all know who manages Islam Mamadov, right? Like, we all are aware... Who manages this guy? Take a sip of coffee. And then we spring him over and we give him a fight where he's a minus 4,000 favorite against Zach Zane. What did we think was going to happen? Why is this even on the card? I don't get it. Like, I don't understand it. Was it just to get him a win? And again, we know who manages him. How much did he get paid? Did he get paid the same as Bellator pays him? Or did he get the, did he get more because of who manages him? Those are questions I have. Ahmed Aliyev, again, another guy, squash match city. I think he was a minus like 1500 favorite against Daryl Horcher. And Daryl Horcher has a little bit of a name. Yes, he fought Habib. But we all knew how that fight was going to end. And Aliyev knocked him out in 30 seconds. Bring in Andrew Sanchez. Gabriel Checo, Sanchez beats him. Wasn't a great performance, if we're being honest. He won easily, but it wasn't a great performance. Andrew Sanchez should have went out and steamrolled him, and he didn't. Maki Patolo fight, fighting Doug Usher. I mean, what do we think was going to happen there? What do we think was going to happen? And then the co-main event is just, I, I, hated, I hated the co-main event the whole entire buildup. Like, why are, the, why are we putting these two guys in a cage to fight each other in 2022? What is, what, what is Hector Lombard and Tiago Silva doing fighting each other in a co-main event on what's supposed to be a major MMA card in 2022? Now, the fight ends in a strange way with the illegal knee, ends in a no contest. You could make a strong argument that it should have been a DQ. But I have to say, as bad as that thing ended, I was relieved at the way that it ended because we were going on a road. We were taking a trip to dangerous town. Things are about to get not bad, but it just felt like things were going to get bad, 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 real bad in that fight. And I was actually relieved that it ended the way that it did. It probably should have been a DQ, but I don't want to rematch. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it enough. No more. No, don't need to see Lombard Silva too. We've seen enough. And then the main events, whatever. Santos, GDS looked great. 
Jorgen was fine. Jorgen wins the fight. Maybe he fights for the heavyweight title. He's probably not going to win that fight. Maybe they do JDS and, and Fedor and they do the, the co-promotion thing, which I'll address in a moment. Eagle FC 47 as a whole wasn't great. It just wasn't great. The pacing is what I've loved about these two Eagle FC cards. We can dunk on Henry Cejudo and his awful pronunciations and his just not great commentary. It just, it, I thought the commentary as a whole was not great. And I don't blame Cyrus Fees because he is, he's got a great opportunity here. And I like Cyrus. Great guy. Tremendous ring announcer. A lot of good positive energy. But he's doing what he's told. So you can't really put the emphasis on him. Chael and Cejudo together are tough. But Kamar Usman saved the day, in my opinion. I thought Usman did a fantastic job. I think he always does a fantastic job. I think he is an excellent color commentator. And I think the UFC should, should use him a lot more in that role. Put him on the desk. You Utilize him. He's great. He's one of the best you have on your roster. And they don't use him. I don't get it. He's so go. He's so, so good. The broadcast changed because Usman talked a lot more and it made it more bearable. Sometimes when you have those personalities and you throw Cejudo in there, it's just a rough listen. It's a tough hang, man. It really is. But then you get Usman in there and he professional, the professionalism rises. He just does such a good job. He's so relaxed. He's not screaming at you. He's just so chill. He does such a good job. I don't want to dump on Eagle FC that much. Here's one thing I will say that I frigging hated on Friday. I liked some of the promo packages they did. I liked the Tiago Silva promo package. That was good. The Lombard one was fine. I liked the Castro one. I hated the JDS one. I hated it. Want to know why I hated it? Because they found they took that promo and found a way to insert Kane Velasquez into it. That whole situation was that necessary? Did we really need to put the Kane Velasquez situation in an Eagle FC promo because JDS fought him at some point in his life? I just thought that was so weird and bizarre, and it was so unnecessary. We're putting his mugshot up on the broadcast promoting JDS fighting Jorgen the Castro because he once fought Cain Velasquez. Why? And then we're asking JDS's opinion on it. I, I just thought that was so weird. It's so unnecessary. It was, I thought it was in bad taste, honestly. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, is this really net? Like, we're talking on our private Slack channel about this. I'm like, what are they doing? What is happening right now? Why, why is this a thing? There's just certain things that they do that just make no sense and they just, they're unnecessary. You don't need it. Eagle FC does a good job. And, and, and the promos and stuff, I thought the pacing on Friday was not great. What I enjoyed about the other two cards, the US cards, were it was just boom, boom, boom. It's like watching a old UFC fight night event on UFC Fight Pass before the ESPN deal. When they were on Fox or FX1 or whatever they did, we had to deal with commercials and all that stuff. But when they did Fight Pass events that were exclusively on Fight Pass, you could have had 35 fights on there 
and it went by so fast because one fight ended, next guy was walking. That fight ends, next guy's walking. No commercials, no nothing. We're just going boom, boom, boom. This one, we didn't have that. This is more of a tour pacing when they're on showtime where we have to go to the desk. We have to go to the commentary booth for 20 minutes. We have to go and run 10 promos. Like, just go to the fights. Like, your production's great. You do a lot of good things, but now we're pacing the show, so it's like five hours? It doesn't need to be that. It was 11 fights. It was 11 fights, and it almost lasted as long as the UFC card did. And you have no commercials. You have your own app. You have your own platform. Annoying. I don't want to dump on him too much, but I have serious questions about this promotion. And on the co-promotion thing, if I'm Scott Coker, if I'm Bellator, I'm jumping all over this co-promotion thing. I am. Do it. Co-promote multiple events with Eagle FC. And Eagle FC is smart getting Bellator into this thing because I, listen, I don't know where Eagle FC is getting this money. I have no clue. Where are they getting it? They're signing these huge names. From what I understand, they're paying a lot of money for these big names. Where are they getting the money? How long can they do this for? At least if Bellator jumps in, they could split the cost of production and all these different things. They can just split it down the middle. It saves them money in the long run. And if I'm Bellator, I'm jumping on the hot hand right now. I'm striking while the iron's hot because I don't know how long Eagle FC could sustain this. And Bellator needs a boost badly. God, do they need a boost. They have had a horrible year. They need something to happen that gets people talking. Maybe a co-promotion is the way to go. But if you're going to do it, you can't wait. You have to do it now. You have to do it now. Anytime Eagle FC and Bellator run events on the same day or the same weekend, Eagle FC crushes them in traffic on our website. It's not even close. It's not even close. It's like four to five times more for Eagle FC. Maybe more people are watching the Bellator card, but more people are interested in what happens with the Eagle FC card over the Bellator card in terms of website traffic. It's not even close. It's not even close. So if I'm Bellator, (laughs) if I'm Scotty Cokes, I am taking that meeting with Habib and I am booking it ASAP. That's a smart move. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back to the calls. Let's get Elon Berger in here. Elon, are you there? Just unmute. Elon, unmute. All right, maybe we'll try that again later. Let's get Motivated Andy. 
Hello, Motivated Andy. What's up, buddy? Good morning to you. <laughs> uh, let me just say, let me just say this. I don't hate Henry Cejudo. <laughs> I don't hate him. I, 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 I've said this many times. I respect what this man has done in combat sports. He is not a good comment. He's not a good broadcaster. I didn't watch it. I think it. he can even say that himself. Oh, he's so bad. He's so I, bad. I mean, uh, in all fairness, I did watch the first two or whatever, and I thought they did great. I thought the chemistry between you know they did great. Well, not not this last event. I didn't see it up until the JDS fight, but the last two, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the commentary and the kind of like the back and forth. They seemed really comfortable with talking to each other, and for a team that's new, essentially, I thought it was going to be really weird. So I thought they did better than what I expected. Um, my question is though, so we're at the halfway point of the year and I was writing out my, my sub, my KO, my fight. And I, is it just me or are all of these just going to be locks for the remaining year? I have Jessica Andrade's arm triangle sub the KO. I mean, nobody's going to be Chandler punning Tony. I'm sorry. And then fight of the year, Hamzat versus Burns. Do you think Anybody that's slated right now can hold a candle to those three. Uh, are we talking just UFC or are we talking the whole gamut? Okay. All right. Good question. Uh, I think Chandler's a lock for sure. It's going to take something really special to beat Hamzat Gilbert for sure. Just because of everything around it. That was the main event of that card in a lot of people's minds. That was the fight everybody was, was the most interested in. So it's going to be really tough for a fight to live up to that hype and then just deliver the way that it did. Submission's going to be tough. The Andrade one is good. It was rare, and that's always a good thing. But to me, Oliver Enkamp has the submission of the year because we saw a freaking buggy choke. We saw a buggy choke. We never see buggy chokes, and we saw one. So to me, Oliver Enkamp has the submission of the year. The Andrade one is super impressive, but to me, it's the buggy choke. That's that's my number one. But I understand where you're coming from with the Andrade one. Let's get K in here. Perhaps. K, what's up? Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. Ahead, what's up, my man? Yeah, ahead, it's ahead. But, um, ahead, my bad. No worries. But listen, Mike, before I get on to, I've got a rant, but I want to start off with a congratulations, and that's okay. First, I've got this two points. A congratulations to you, Mike, for, because I know you must be feeling a bit smug. You must want to say, I told you so when you saw Hamza Chimaev tweet at Leon Edwards and you know Kamaru Usman's hands hurt and you must have been feeling like I said this from the beginning. So first, before I get my rant off, I'll let you say, I told you so, because I know you must be thinking that a little bit, Mike. Come on. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to say I told you so yet because it's not done, but all I'm saying is, and, and you know this pretty well ahead, you know that, and there people listen on to the next one, don't let anybody else take credit for floating the idea of Leon Edwards versus Hamza Shabaya for an interim title, because I am the driver of that train, I am the conductor, I have been conducting that train since UFC 268 ended, since Camaro beat Colby the second time, I said this is the fight they should make. 
Us- or they should do Edwards, Shemaev, interim title. Let's just do it now. That's the fight to make. And I'm sticking by it. And if that fight happens, I want all of the Otno points and I want all of the praise. No one else is allowed to take any credit for this. And if anybody here that is listening to the sound of my voice sees that, you blast them and you tell them where that came from first. Continue on. Rant away. Yeah. Okay. So here comes like fair play, Mike. All that, that makes all the sense in the world. But let's go on to the right. Open scoring is bullshit. Absolutely. Like, enough is enough with this. <laughs> like, okay. And, okay. Let's go on to home Vieira. Like, firstly, with home Vieira, I, I actually fell asleep for the card, like, as in, because it's the UK time. And I'm so glad because apart from Chidi and um, obviously Pejera, it was apparently just all like decisions. Listen, but I saw the highlights. And all I've got to say is this if you're not ready to go in for the kill, don't be upset, like, and you're not actively going for the kill. Don't be upset when it doesn't go your way, okay? Like, for goodness sake, like, Ariel needs to stop this. Like, this is this has gone too far. Like, at the start when Ariel was talking about open scoring, I was like, okay, this is quirky. This is a new way of looking at things. And, like, the open scoring has been talked about before, but I like the push. I like the new, uh, uh, unique way of thinking. But no, that this is enough is enough. Like, no, open scoring does not work for multiple reasons. Firstly, firstly, there's like Glover Tashira mentioned it as well. Like fighters will just like play as a game rather than like a fight more. And something Firasa Hadi said, one of the all-time great coaches, is MMA is the site where you test what works in full combat. I got heat on by like on the Ringer show and Ariel show, like just on Spotify live for saying, oh, you know, MMA is not a sport. No, I stand by that because it's more like a death match at the end of the day, right? A sport is like baseball, basketball, football, whatever. You can play baseball, you can play basketball. You can't play fighting. And that's the USP of MMA, the unique selling point, which is what attracts people. Okay, it's like people go in there and we fight and we see who the better fighter is. It's brutal, but, you know, we love it at the end of the day. And at least now we know we can regulate and keep people safe. But if you start making this a game, like Glover Tashir said it, like as in if you let people know that they're two rounds up, how easy is it going to be to um, how easy is it going to be for someone to shoot a double and get these little pit, uh, pitter-patter, ground-a-pound shots off to steal the round, okay? Like, and it just introduces even more crazy that, like, because we see Bilal Muhammad, he does this. Like, and it's fine because Bilal's found like a cheat code, but you don't want to encourage more of this behavior, okay? If people are able to get away with it, good for you. But that doesn't mean you encourage more of it. And that's what you're going to do if you do open scoring. Secondly, right, um, and this links on to the first point, it's, it's such dorky. I hear these arguments, oh, Fighter A had 10 more significant strikes than Fighter B, therefore Fighter A won the round. Fighter A had 87 seconds more control time than Fighter B, therefore Fighter A won the round. What are you talking about? For goodness sake, someone can land 10,000 petty little jabs, but one brutal right cross is enough. That that would be enough to win the round. What, what do you want? Do you want like a significant strike counter in big LED lights so the fighters can keep track of that as well? Do you want that? Do you want a timer to can keep control, keep track of uh, control time? What you want is better judging. That's what you want. And something that was contradictory towards like, 
what Ariel said. I only saw like the first minute of like Ariel's like um, on the nose. It was like, oh, I never said open judge, uh, open school would make judging better, but it would be a bridge. How would it be a bridge? Like when you just admit like it won't actually do anything because if it will just lead, like you said before, it will lead to people getting more angry. But are people angry already? Well, it'd just be more of the same. It wouldn't it result with data say, oh, I can't believe that scorecard. And everyone would say the same thing. It's just more of the same. It's ridiculous. And the scorecards get released anyway. After the fight by MMA junkie, MMA fight, whatever, like they get released. It's so insane how um, this argument has happened. Like you want to keep it more of a fight, less of a sport to, for MMA to be more marketable. You don't want people to feel less interested in MMA and then amongst the fight, a pay crisis. So no, this is ridiculous. What you need is better judging. The way you do it for me is like Holly Holm was just clinching. She didn't do anything. Like it's deterring people from wrestling and jujitsu. You can wrestle jujitsu. They're beautiful arts, but I think master arts. You want an advanced position, okay? So you need to get. I think you should get Muay Thai judges, but to, because Muay Thai encourages work in the clinch. Muay Thai has clinch, but it's work. You got to work. Um, boxing judges, kickboxing judges, you want to get MMA jiu-jitsu judges, like MMA fighters who are great jiu-jitsu, because there's a difference between pure jiu-jitsu and MMA jiu-jitsu. The same thing goes for wrestling, and then maybe get like a MMA, like someone to judge just how well fighters mix up the martial arts, because this has just become so dorky uh, and ridiculous. And no, like there's fighters that disagree with this, and this is ridiculous. Always bringing the heat ahead. I appreciate that. I will say this, just, just to not be a negative Nancy on the open scoring discussion. One thing that it is doing is it's getting, it's, we're getting on the road to getting on the same page. All right. Now, most of the people who have had issues with scoring are fighters who have been fighting in the UFC for like an awful long time. Holly Holm, even listening to Dominic Cruz on the broadcast, listening to DC on the broadcast, occasionally Michael Bisping on the broadcast. When you do something for so long and you did it for so long where it was done a certain way, it's hard to change. Especially like Dominic Cruz and Bisping. I mean, those guys have been fighting for like freaking two decades, maybe more in some cases. And they were used to things being scored a certain way. Things have changed. And when you do things for so long, it takes a while to get used to this new thing. And I mean, th think about like all the rule changes in football, all the rule changes in baseball, all the rule changes in all these other sports. Like it takes time. It takes reps. And eventually you'll figure out that damage is the number one score. It doesn't matter. This is in 2007. This is in GSP just getting punched in the face 14 times, but then taking his opponent down and laying on him for three and a half minutes. You can't win a round like that anymore. And eventually, I think everybody will get on the same page. So at least this open scoring discussion is creating conversation that maybe we can get on the same page. And then you can see on Twitter on Sunday, John Anik talking about it and leading his discussion, giving his honest thoughts on, on things and his knowledge of the new rules and the criteria and him talking to the Sean Sheehan's of the world and talking to some of the people who've really dove deep into the scoring just so he has a better understanding of it. And I implore 
Cruz and Bisbing in DC and anyone else who's going to be on those broadcasts to do the same thing because the two guys on these broadcasts consistently who are most familiar with the criteria are not the fighters and the color guys. They are the lead voices. Anik and Brennan Fitzgerald know the scoring and know the criteria now better than the actual fighters do. That's a problem to me. And good on Anik and Fitz for doing their thing because they're leading the way. But they're, they're the guys steering the ship. They shouldn't be the ones with the knowledge of the new ABC criteria. It should be the fighters, the color guys who are providing the information and the insight and the experience. But that's why Anik is the best in the business. And I think you can make a strong case that John Anik is the best play-by-play guy, not just in MMA, but in sports. In sports, I think Anik is in that conversation. You throw, you throw Anik on an NFL broadcast right now, and I think he'd crush it. Absolutely annihilate it. I think he would do a tremendous job. You could throw him in any sport right now, and he would absolutely crush it. He's one of the best in sports, and this is why. Perfect example. But at least we're getting a conversation going, trying to get on the same page here. So sometimes you have to, as they say, kiss a few frogs before you find your prince, and that's what we're doing with open scoring. Let's get Denny in here. And Yeah, Denny, what's up? Denny, unmute. Unmute. Oh, there we go. Okay. Have there he is. What's up? Okay. Uh, I agree with you that in-camp submission should be submission of the year. Although I did read that it wasn't actually a buggy choke, but was more of just an inverted triangle choke. And as far as fights that have a good chance to overtake Kamzat and Burns, uh, I think Saruki and Gamrod has a real good chance. And yep. is this Eastern Conference Finals series one of the most disappointing playoff series that you've ever been a part of. How so? Because it's like a bad heavyweight fighter, a fight where a fighter lands one punch and then the other fighter shells up and doesn't do anything for the rest of the fight. They've all been decided in the first quarter. <laughs> uh, game three, not really. Celtics almost came back and won that game on Saturday. Uh, okay, they, they came close, but yeah, they didn't. Uh, so... Yeah, that one's a little different, but <laughs> it's still it's whoever jumps out to the first quarter lead has won the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it from uh, I get that from a non Miami or Boston fan. Uh, I I mean, I can tell you, I've been uh, emotionally invested in this whole thing. It's been uh, it's been it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, and that's what the series has been. Because when the Celtics show up, no one like no one in the Eastern Conference is beating them. It's just up to them. If they if they can come out sluggish at times, they can come out and like who would have thought that Jason Tatum would be the thorn in the ass of the Celtics in Game Three? Because he stunk. He was not good in Game Three. He was the honestly he was probably the reason they freaking lost that game. But we're not here to talk about that. Uh, all right. You know what? We already heard from Julio, but we'll hear from him again, and then we'll get Brenton, and then we're gonna get out of here. Julio, what's up? Real quick. Hey, Mike. Um, 
uh, this is the first time I've been, been able to listen live, so I have a backlog of questions from a couple weeks ago. But um, you mentioned a lot about uh, Jake Hadley and how the matchmaking was uh, was sort of pointed for him. And I remember seeing his performance or his contender series fight where he performed very well, but he missed weight, and they kept referencing about how he. Um, he made the matchmakers really mad. And I'm just curious, can you speak a little more as to what he did to piss the UFC matchmakers off so much? Because I keep hearing all of these vague allusions to it. And uh, it's, it's just, it's really piquing my curiosity a little bit. Thanks. Okay. Uh, thank you. Really, I appreciate that. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Jake Hadley was on the contender series. He missed weight. Um, and apparently, and this is what Dana White was saying during the broadcast and then the post-fight press conference that night, apparently Jake Hadley was not very kind to the UFC staff members as well. He was not very nice to them throughout that week, especially after the weight miss. So Dana, despite the weight miss and despite all of those issues, gave him a contract, which apparently was against the wishes of Sean Shelby and Nick Mader. They did not want him. They said, do not sign this guy. And Dana went and signed them anyways. And apparently they stormed out of the building. They were that upset about it. Which leads me to believe maybe the matchmaking <laughs> might be towards getting him out of there. Uh, I don't know. Listen, Hadley's young. He's really good. But the Nascimento fight was an interesting choice. It was a very interesting choice considering this whole situation. But that was the whole story. Matchmakers didn't want Dana to sign him. Dana signed him. And yeah, I talked to Jake not long after that on MMA fight. I think if you go back into the, I think it was, I think we YouTube that. If you go on YouTube and, and just go to our page and look for Jake Hadley, I did talk to him about it and he gave his thoughts. He thinks maybe some of the things were lost in translation when it comes to just the communication, how they communicate in his part of the world to the United States, maybe there was just some miscommunication. Some things were not meant in the way that maybe they had sounded. But yeah, that was that whole story. Brent, what you got real quick, and then we're going to get out of here so I don't get yelled at by the bosses. What's up, man? Why do you think that Scott Coker has not been able to replicate more of the success of Strike Force? I don't think that I'm just remembering Strike Force too fondly. Um, I was surprised to hear that they get beat up by Eagle FC in the website traffic. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Oh boy, we're gonna we're gonna take this this road right now. Here's the thing with Bellator. It's just the matchmaking is horrendous. The decision-making is horrendous. They don't have any stars. And when they do have stars, they either let them go or they don't treat them as stars. Perfect example. AJ McKee beats Patricio Pitbull, puts him away quickly, emphatically. He's your undefeated stud. And he's the fa he has, with that win, he became the face of the organization. What does Bellator do after that? When did we see AJ McKee again? We didn't see AJ McKee again until Jake Paul boxed Tyron Woodley on Showtime like a month later. 
Why is this guy not on Good Morning America? Why is he not on Sports Center? Why is he not on all of the shows? Why is he not doing the media tour? This guy should have been everywhere. He should have been on every show. Put him on freaking Fox NFL Sunday, for God's sake. CBS, NFL Today, whatever. That guy should have been on every television show that had to do with sports after he won that fight. He didn't. They didn't do that. And then by the time he fought again, they were just like, okay, who's this guy? The Showtime thing is tough because, again, I've mentioned this before, it is very expensive to be an MMA fan. And for those of you who are on here right now, I salute you for watching all this stuff. If you're paying for all of this stuff, I know there's nefarious means, and I'll blame you for finding them because it is expensive to watch this sport. And outside of UFC pay-per-views, like let's just say you didn't watch a UFC pay-per-view at all. Let's just say you just watched fight night cards and you watched Bellator events and that's all you want to focus your time on. 75 bucks is too much. I get it. It costs more money to watch Bellator than it does to watch the UFC. It's a great value for the UFC. If you're doing three fight nights a month in a pay-per-view and you have ESPN plus you're getting all of that for $6.99. But if you just get ESPN plus to watch the UFC, it's $6.99 a month. It costs you $10.99 to watch Bellator. And that's every, sometimes you get one card. Sometimes you get two. Sometimes you get none. It costs more money to watch Bellator than it does the UFC outside of the pay-per-views. That's a problem. That's a problem. Bellator needs to get a freaking TV deal, not on Showtime. And if they do, and if they want to get more viewership, they need to, it maybe, here's the thing, like Peacock. Peacock has different tiers. If you have T Peacock, you get the, like if you're a wrestling fan, let's just say you're a pro wrestling fan. Like I got Peacock for a month to watch WrestleMania because I watch WrestleMania every year. I don't miss it. The two night thing is stupid. That's another conversation for another day. But if you have Peacock and you want to watch Peacock just for WWF, you can get the plan for with no ads. You can get the plan with ads. I think it's $499.99. And then they have a free version too, where you can still watch certain stuff with ads for free. If Bellator was smart, they would put themselves in a tiered system with Showtime where you could either pay $4.99 a month, but all you get is Bellator, or which is probably the better concept, just do Bellator for free. Just do Bellator for free. Here's the free version. We'll throw in these commercials, but more people will watch Bellator if they did it for free. Or they put them back on television. You're part of Paramount. You're part of CBS. We can't find a station. Put them on MTV or, or something. Who cares? But you got to get them off of Showtime and you got to stop charging $11 a month to watch a show. Because no one's going to watch it. With Eagle FC, it costs you nothing. All you can do is download the FlexCast app and you can watch Eagle FC for free. That's why Eagle FC is always going to do better. And plus, they have bigger names than Bellator has. Eagle FC's roster has more stars than Bellator's does. That's a huge problem. And that's why if I'm Scott Coker and I'm Bellator, I'm jumping all over this co-promotion deal with Eagle FC. Just getting Habib attached to your product is huge. You got to do it. 
you got to do it. You got to find a way to make this fight. Now, I don't know if they can, because I don't know how long JDS is going to be out for with the shoulder injury, but who cares? Do other things. Get cards together and just work together. Because I think it's good for both organizations. I just don't know. I have no idea what Eagle FC's finances are. I have no idea who is their CFO. I have no clue. I have no clue. But there's no way that Eagle FC can sustain this financially. Signing all these big names to big deals with big money and then not charging people to go to your cards or watch your cards. How are they making? I just don't know how they're making money. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe they're just, they have tremendous salespeople who can sell advertising like nobody's business. And if that's the case, good for them. But I just don't know how this can be sustainable. I have no clue. So this is a good time for both organizations to come together and just do it. Just get after this thing. Bellator can get some interest. You get Habib behind you, who is a star. Because Bellator is hurting, man. It it stinks. It makes me so upset. Because they have a good roster. I love the people who work for Bellator. The people who work behind the scenes. They just got Michael Fidel on there as part of their PR team, which is a great... I I love Michael Fidel. He's a great guy. One of the cool... One of the great guys in this space. Brought him on. Great signing. Great addition to their PR staff. But now we got to do something with this. We got to make it... We got to give fans something to watch. These last two main... This year has been rough. Rough. These main events for titles have been rough. McKee Pitbull 2 was not a fun fight. It was not a fun fight. And whatever star power, which was very little after that first... After that McKee win... That you have with AJ is gone. It's just gone. He's got nothing right now, and it's unfortunate. Pitbull, not a star. Other Pitbull, not a star. Then you gave us Bader Congo 2. Horrible fight. Then you did Stor- Michael Page versus Yaroslav Amosov. You were going to try to do that, which is a really rough fight for Michael Page in London. And then Yaroslav's gone, and then what do you do? You give us Logan Storley. Why? Why would you do that? What sense does that make? We knew how that fight was going to go. Page is going to get taken down over and over again. Nothing was going to happen. That's exactly what we got. We've had horrible main events. We've had horrible, it's just not good. Like the Bellator, the the France card, I'm not the, the, the London card was great. Top to bottom is like really fun. But it ended in such an awful way that we don't even remember the buggy choke. We had to go and look up the buggy choke and some of the cool moments that happened. It was just sad. Main event stunk. And then we got Leona Machida getting absolutely deaded by Fabian Edwards. Like, that's the takeaways. It's got to get better. Like, we got to do better. We have to do better. We have to create stars. They have none, they have no stars. Their biggest star left. Fedor's probably their biggest star. And he's got one fight left. Oh, and I just want Bellator to do so well. I really do. I've, I've made this comparison before, but if you weren't here for it, I'm going to make it again. If you are a fan of the, not the new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air show that absolutely sucks on Peacock, but if you uh, if you watch the old Fresh Prince of Bel-Air with Will, Will Smith, 
And Will Smith moves in with the Banks family. And they see all this potential in Will. He's there. There's so much potential there. Will, we know you can thrive. We know you can shine. But then you just keep doing dumb things. You sneak out the window to go to a concert when Uncle Phil told you not to go. You go and buy a car and don't get insurance on the car. Even though Uncle Phil told you that's what you should do. Will Smith just kept shooting himself in the foot and getting in trouble, even though he's got all this personality and this punk, and you know he can do great things, so he puts his mind to it. Bellator is like Will Smith moving in with the Banks family. It's there. They can shine. They can do good things. They just don't. They keep shooting themselves in the foot and doing dumb things. And you don't even tell people that you're having cards. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. You just think that you're the UFC. That you can just put a card on and everyone's just going to watch it. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. What the UFC does so well, and yes, they're very smart and strategic with how they do it. Their fighters are going on Pat McAfee. They're going on SportsCenter. They're going on ESPN. They're going on this network and that network and this TV station and that TV station and that podcast and this podcast. They're on with this person and this person. Like They're going out taking different avenues to promote their cards. Bellator does not do that. They just have a media day and a weigh-in, and that's it. And now there's a fight happening. I can't begin to tell you how many people, when they ask me what I'm doing tonight, oh, I have to cover this Bellator card. Oh, wait, Bellator is a card tonight? And these are people who watch the UFC all the time. And they're MMA fans. So, yeah. Long rant over. Show over. I am done. We, had, we got a lot off our chest today, and I appreciate that. This is why I love this show so much. I love doing it. I love doing it three times a week. Maybe there's a way we could do this more. Stay tuned for that potential. But if you came in late and you were wondering what the hell we were talking about for the last hour, don't worry. MMA Fighting's podcasting network, this show will be up there. It's 9.22 Eastern, probably before 10 a.m. All right? So thank you all. Appreciate all the callers. Appreciate everyone hanging out, especially this entire time. You guys are absolute maniacs. We'll see you on Thursday. Same time, 8 a.m. Eastern. We'll be back for another episode of Heck of a Morning. I wish you a heck of a morning. Have a great rest of the day. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.